Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust. Member FDIC. Let's head inside. You set records, you know, it was a walk store. Do you ever look at that and go, man, it's amazing where I was then? Yeah, yeah not to be too verbose, but to give a little backstory, as uh, the introduction said, I walked on at the University of Florida. I grew up in Gainesville. Both of my parents graduated from Florida. Uh, all I ever wanted to do was play football for the Gators and play in the NFL from the time I was five years old. Uh, we went to all the Gator sporting events, not only the football games, but the basketball, the baseball, the gymnastics. So I ate, drank, and slept Gator uh, athletics. And uh, when I came out of high school, I told these guys last night, I told the story on the buzz earlier, uh, I, I, I was the... I think I had the greatest senior year of, of senior years in high school. I was All-State in football, All-State basketball, All-State baseball. We won the state basketball tournament. I was MVP of the state basketball tournament. And I was Sky Masterson in the musical theater production of Guys and Dolls. So I got a chance to do everything. Wow. Yeah, and that wasn't enough to get a scholarship offer from Florida nor anywhere else. But I'm grateful for the path that I had to choose because, or the path that I was forced to go, uh, more to speak. Because I think a lot of guys coming out of high school, they're told how great they are. They're given the scholarship and they think they've arrived and they don't work hard, they become complacent and they're not able to achieve the potential that they may have had. For me, it was always this chip on my shoulder and I had this uh, scarlet letter, so to speak, where anytime they wrote about me, it was walk on Chris Doring and I was determined to change that narrative. So before my sophomore season, Coach Spurrier uh, called up the team uh, during two a days in between practices and he said they were putting me on scholarship and I just remember the excitement that I had, but more so the excitement that I, my teammates had for me because they knew how hard I had worked to get that scholarship. It was validation for me of my worthiness of not only being on the team, but being a guy that, that contributed. And uh, from then on, I was no longer walk-on Chris Doring. They wrote, write about me, it was former walk-on Chris Doring, so could I never quite shed that label, you know? Well, you know, for those that don't know, you know, the Florida program, uh, was really not what we see it now as when, when I was growing up. You know, you had some success, um, but everything changed when our next photo here, uh, Matt, um, this guy rolled into town, yeah. obviously Steve Spurrier. He changed yeah. everything, uh, and you just happened to be there at the right time, you know, yeah. not, not uh, several years after he got there. I mentioned there. to you the, the history, my parents both going to Florida. They were there kind of right after the, the Spurrier years, and uh, all we ever had, we had no official – SEC championships, no national titles. It was always the one thing we could point to is we had a Heisman Trophy winner way back in the 60s, and Coach Spurrier was that guy. And when they went and got him in 1990, you know, the things that he focused on, you know, he talked about uh, accomplishing all of these different goals. He tore the turf out of the, the stadium there, put in grass. I don't know why you would ever not have grass in the state of Florida. Did that, but he talked about if we're going to achieve the goals at Florida that we want to achieve, which include winning an SEC championship, winning a national championship, it started with beating Georgia. And unfortunately, you read that that uh, six and seven record over the or six and uh, six out of the last seven have gone to Georgia in that series. But it really was the the thing that catapulted us to the next level um, when divisions uh, became a thing in '92 when Arkansas and, and South Carolina joined the conference. Uh, it was really the gateway to accomplishing everything that we were able to accomplish. So I'm very pr proud of not only the 5-0 um, record I had against Georgia, but the, the opportunity to play in the first four SEC championship games, which was uh, really cool to see grow from what it did in Birmingham and then moving to, to Atlanta there in 94 and having a chance to play against Arkansas my senior year in 95 there. Uh, again, just, you know, three SEC championships. 
while Chris played there. So t- tell me about Spurrier. You know, the fun and gun was introduced during those years. You were right. telling me that the, the list of receivers, I mean, it, we had not seen – something like that on that level ever in the SEC. Yeah, you know, I think the cool part about it was he revolutionized the way that college football was played in the conference, but also nationally. A lot of what you see now were things that we were doing way back in the 90s. And remember, it was, was, you know, Bo Jackson or Herschel Walker, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust. Everybody was so run-oriented. Coach Furrier came in and we went four and five wides and we were scoring 50 points a game. And so everybody had to adjust. When you're seeing teams like Auburn and Georgia – now have to adapt more of a passing style. It really spoke to what he did uh, to create a a new way of playing football in the SEC. And uh, really, I think in terms of Mount Rushmore uh, faces in this conference, he's one of the four that I would have up there. Another guy that uh, I know you think the world of, and we've brought him into the Touchdown Club, Danny Werfel, who also obviously turned out to be a Heisman Trophy winner. Talk about your relationship with him and the kind of guy he is and player. So Danny was a year younger than me, and um, the, the, the video that you guys saw, uh, from the Kentucky game. That was September 11th, 1993. Uh, I had been given that scholarship uh, a couple weeks before that game. Um, I, I played a little bit in the opener, and then the uh, the next week we go to Lexington, and, and Coach Spurrier tells me before the game that I'm going to start. So here I was, a walk-on just a few weeks earlier, now I'm starting my first game for my beloved Gators in the SEC. Uh, earlier in that fourth quarter, I catch my first co- collegiate touchdown, and I'm thinking, Wow, this is everything I ever dreamt of as a kid. And little did I know I'd come back and catch the game winner with three seconds left. That was my second of 31 touchdown receptions that I had. But that was thrown by Danny Warfel. And in that game, Terry Dean and Danny Warfel were back and forth because they combined to throw seven interceptions. And we were losing 20 to 17 with about you know, eight seconds to go in that game. There was no overtime back then. So we could either kick a field goal and, and settle for a tie or we could go for the win, and obviously you guys know the reputation of Coach Spurrier. We went for the win. Danny threw that touchdown to me, and we've forever kind of been linked in in Gator history. And there's not a better person to be linked with. I mean, Danny is a dear friend of mine, uh, one of the cheapest individuals you'll ever meet. I don't know if you guys know that or not, but every time I get a text from him, I know it's, hey, I want to crash at your your house. So he's he's a frequent guest at the Doring residence. Uh, Love his family, uh, love love his kids. His his son is uh, at Florida now. My daughter's also a senior at the University of Florida as well. But um, Danny and I roomed together the night before games, and so uh, it was a big advantage for us. We'd go over uh, kind of the the play sheet. We'd talk about some of the things that he was seeing, what I was expecting. Um, I turned him on. We we would listen to Canon and D, Paco Bell, a little classical music, kind of kind of do some imagery and and mindset stuff. And then then, uh, when we got to the NFL, we were reunited with Coach Spurrier, bringing us both to Washington and room together there and, and, and uh, when we were traveling on the road. So just a, a great intertwining of, of, uh, of history and a friendship that, that lasts you know, over, over three decades. Before we get to that uh, SEC championship game, uh, I just remembered, I should have looked this up, I remember watching Danny in person in Fayetteville and I think he set a record. That, that was the game. 96 game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He set a record, I think, for just, I don't know what, how many yards it was. It just, we couldn't yeah. stop him. But I remember he sort of had a, a sort of a different kind of delivery. But I'm not sure, and I've seen a lot of football in person. I'm not sure I've seen a, a more accurate 
quarterback, every throw, every throw he made was, I mean, just, I mean, it didn't matter whether it's 50 yards down the field, it was yeah. right on target. You know, one of the things that's frustrating to me is watching some of the struggles in the passing game in the conference this year. Kentucky was one of those teams that you thought had a chance to, to be a really good passing offense with the three receivers they had coming back and getting Devin Leary and Liam Cohen coming back as the coordinator. Tennessee's another one that I thought really highly of their system and the receivers. And to see the inaccuracy of the quarterbacks and the dropping of the balls by the receivers is something that is hard for me to watch. But the reason we were so good at it was because we spent so much time of practice every single day, routes on air. It was the, the quarterback taking his steps. It was the receivers being precise in the way they ran their routes. The only reason I was able to play in the NFL for as long as I was is because I was so well coached and, and just doing the little things correctly. Um, a lot of times you think, oh, we'll take this athlete and turn him into a receiver. And to me, that's kind of an insult because it really is a position that requires so much attention to detail with the, the way you run your routes and the way you get in and out of breaks and the way you catch the football. Um, that I, I, I think that um, there's a lot of teams that could learn from the way that we practiced as it relates to the time spent just repping over and over again the, the, the steps of the quarterback, the receiver's routes, and the timing of it. So Danny knew exactly where to go with the football, always threw it in the right spot, and uh, it really was a, uh, an honor to play with him. Coach Burry used to talk about he wasn't the prettiest guy in practice, but come Saturday, he, uh, he had a feel for it and was definitely a gamer. And uh, obviously we go to that SEC championship game. Was not was not a great game for the Razorbacks. That was Danny Ford. Got us there. Barry Lunny was the quarterback, if you guys remember. I think we got a picture of that game. He was running for his life, I think. Uh, what was the final 34-3 on that one? Yeah, they were uh, down close to the, the red zone. I think they ran a little option that Ben Hanks intercepted and took the other way for a touchdown. So that was kind of uh, the, the way that game went in a nutshell there. You guys win that game, but you go to Nebraska, get embarrassed. Yeah. Uh, fit, what is it, 50 something? To, uh, I was bragging to Baz last night. Our team in 95 was the only team in the history of the University of Florida program that's ever gone undefeated and won the SEC championship game. Unfortunately, we do go to the national championship for the first time in the school's history, uh, but we meet maybe what I believe is one of the greatest teams in the history of college football in, in that Nebraska team. That was Tommy Frazier. That was Lawrence Phillips that had been suspended after uh, beating up his girlfriend after the first game that came back and played in that ball game against us. They were so good, you know, ones, twos, and threes, big physical guys. And, um, you know, we ran into a buzzsaw. I mentioned to Baz last night. That was the dawn of the zone blitz. And when, uh, when we, in our passing offense, the quarterback – was uh, required to recognize what the defense was doing. And if they were bringing more than we could protect, then he had to get the ball out quick on a three-step. Well, with the disguise of the, the zone blitz, we had never seen that before. It looks like they're just playing zone, but they're overloading one of your pressures, uh, overloading the offense with a, a pressure. And so Danny got hit all night long, and, and it just kind of steamrolled out of, out of uh, control for us. It was supposed to be a storybook ending for me, and it didn't quite end that way. But watching you know, the, the, the team do it the next year, I did feel how, like I had some sort of part in the run-up to that and, and took a lot of pride in, in Florida winning that 96 championship. Let's stick with Arkansas. Uh, Sam Pittman, uh, obviously we talked last night, uh, tough times this year. Um, obviously had to fire Dan Enos. Yeah. You, you work for the SEC Network. Your, your analysis of maybe what's happening there and – well, I, th I thought it was kind of an odd hire to begin with, you know, going from the, the Kendall Bryles offense and the way that the uh, personnel had been recruited to that offense. It didn't necessarily make a lot of sense to me. But, um, you know, I know there was a familiarity there between Coach Pittman and Coach Enos. Um, 
I said it on our show a couple weeks ago. It was tough watching that Mississippi State-Arkansas game. I, I wanted those three hours of my life back and, uh, unfortunately, didn't get a chance to do that. But, you know, I have a lot of respect for Coach Pittman. I've, I've come to really like him and, and covering him the last couple of years. Very gracious with his time. Comes on our show an awful lot. Um, I, I did think at the time that there was probably uh, too much winning too soon, taking over a program that was in disarray and maybe setting the bar higher than it, it should have been. I felt like maybe Arkansas and South Carolina were in the same boat in that way with Shane Beamer winning too much too soon. But um, with the transfer portal, I really do think there's an opportunity to overhaul your team much quicker now. You saw Miami, the Hurricanes, went out and really changed their offensive line overnight with the way that they, they addressed it in the transfer portal. So my hope is that this offseason, Arkansas can kind of do the same thing because I really felt bad for KJ, uh, what he's had to, to kind of put up with, with no real protection up front, with no real run support, and uh, certainly being asked to just sit in the pocket behind an offensive line that can't uh, consistently block for him is, is uh, a tough task. Kenny Gotten comes in, obviously, uh, going to the swamp. Uh, can he make a difference? Can they can they yeah. do some things that will help them this weekend? I um, I did a hit back in Jacksonville this morning that I do every every week on a station over there, and I said this is an incredibly dangerous spot for Florida to be in. You're going up against an Arkansas team that's so lost six in a row, that really has nothing to lose, that's coming off a bye, that just fired their offensive coordinator. You don't have no idea schematically about what they're going to do. Um, I really believe they need to move K.J. more. Uh, some of the, the, the nakeds and boots, getting him outside, getting him more involved in the quarterback uh, run game, I think would be a, a, an important part. And then Florida coming off the loss against Georgia, it's an emotionally draining game. It's a physical game. So I think this is a great spot for Arkansas, quite frankly. And if Florida's not careful, they could not only lose this game, but they play, they go to LSU next week, they go to Missouri the following week and have Florida State at home. This very easily could be a, a situation where you were five and two heading into the Georgia game and could end up, you know, six and six or, or God forbid, five and seven. Uh, obviously heading down the swamp, the, uh, the record of Florida versus Arkansas is Florida has a 10 and two advantage. One of those uh, somebody on stage participated in back in 1982. Just saying, <laughs> nobody remembers that though. The, the old blue bonnet ball. That was. I remember. I, I, listen, I listen, said it to you last night. I know night, that. It? Listen, that was a great Florida team with a ton of talent, yeah. and uh, we were a great Razorback team. And yeah. Dwayne Dixon, who was yeah. uh, an outstanding receiver at Florida, had a big game in that one, and he was my receiver coach for the entirety of my time at Florida. Really blessed to have played for a guy that not only played the position but did it at the same school, and really. I love playing for Coach Spurrier as well. I think Georgia kind of has that same thing where you have a head coach that walked through those same halls, that played on the same field, that has that same passion for the school. It was really evident in terms of, of how much he cared. I think this this sport has become such a, a, a group of hired mercenaries that come in that don't really necessarily, and not just the, the coaches, but the players now too, um, for me, I love that the athletes are getting a little chunk of the NIL stuff. but. I made more money because I played football at the University of Florida and have a degree from the University of Florida in my post-playing days than I ever did playing football. So I, I, I understand the value of a scholarship, particularly having walked on originally and getting that, that scholarship, uh, what that's meant to my life and the affiliation with the university and the conference has, has uh, meant so much to me. Difficulty of playing in the swamp, uh, even though it's a 11 o'clock game. Yeah, I mean, I, a lot of people upset down there about that game being at noon. Um, it, it, fortunately for, for Razorback fans, it'll be a lot cooler than if you were coming there in uh, September and, at a noon game. But um, 
Yeah, the, the crowd support's been good this year. I'm anxious to see what it's like coming off that loss in Jacksonville. Uh, but uh, for those that haven't been before, when you walk into the stadium, you go down underground. It's kind of in the middle of, of the, the street levels higher, and it is incredibly hot. The, 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 the stands go straight up. It's close to the, the field. Uh, it really is one of the, the great home field advantages in college football. And I think this season, if you go back and look, like this year in the SEC, home field advantage has meant more than ever uh, anything. I, I don't know if it's because there's a, a renewed enthusiasm about being back at the stadium after COVID, uh, but you, you go back and look at Tennessee. Tennessee came to Gainesville, five false start penalties in the first half, uh, really couldn't operate their offense with any sort of consistency. Uh, and I think that's been the case around the conference as a whole. Uh, just nice to see that home field advantage mean so much these days. I was stumbling over some pictures, and I realized this was not your uh, its not your first time to visit uh, Little Rock, uh, Matthew Will. So here's the question. That's Chad Morris. Did you realize how bad things were getting ready to be for the Razorbacks during that was a spring game? You were obviously covering the SEC Network. Did yeah. you realize? I'm trying to look at your expression on your face saying, you're in trouble, buddy. Just want to let you know. Yeah. I, I don't know if that was before or after. What's the no, scoop here? You know what? So just a little backstory on that. I had uh, been in Baton Rouge, and you can see the, the purple uh, gloves there. I'd been in Baton Rouge uh, to cover some LSU spring storyline stuff and was coming straight here to Little Rock to, to do the spring game for the SEC Network. I had no idea what the weather forecast was, uh, and there was this massive cold front that came through. I was freezing my ass off out of there. It didn't properly come with any sort of apparel. It was snowing that morning, sleeting during the game, freezing cold. Um, but, you know, just like everywhere, there's so much optimism and excitement about a new uh, regime when a, a coach takes over. Talking to him, you know, during the, the week leading up and, and really felt like there were some things that were going to be exciting to watch, but end up being a, uh, a total disaster. And I, unfortunately, you know, it took me back Saturday or two Saturdays ago watching that uh, Mississippi State-Arkansas game. Took me back to some of those years towards the end where, you know, you're losing to Western Kentucky at home or, or, or North Texas or, or some of those games. And, like, you know, it almost felt the same level of apathy. And once you start feeling apathy, that's a, that's a, a, a bad sign. So I hope that the excitement can come back. Um, you know, I know how special it is to, to, to go to a game there in, in Fayetteville on a Saturday. I've covered a few games and had a chance to call those and uh, really love the passion that, that Arkansas fans have, that this entire state has for football and the athlete that play it from Ashton high school level to all of the, the different levels that you guys honor here. I think it's one of the most knowledgeable places. And I'll be honest, this was a bucket list trip for me. I've, I've had a chance to speak at a lot of different touchdown clubs and quarterback clubs, and I've always looked at the, the Little Rock Touchdown Club as the, the one that I wanted to aspire to get to. And so to have the opportunity to be here means a lot. Um, the attention to detail from, from Baz, Wes picked me up at the airport yesterday. I'm riding in the, in the little limo shuttle thing, and I'm, I'm thinking, Oh, these guys had Peyton Manning and Tony Dorsett and John Gruden. I'm not worthy. I felt this real sense of inferiority. And then I remember Peter Burns came, and I said, not, not only, not even the great David Basil can hit bat a thousand. So I, I felt a lot better with that. Uh, speaking of broadcast, you know, University of Florida has a great reputation. Uh, look here, uh, Aaron Andrews was a Gator. Mm -hmm. uh, she was a, she was in the uh, the dance team back in the day. I remember her. She was a. She was a freshman when I was a senior, and I remember her, seeing her sometime after. She's like, oh, man, I had the biggest crush on you back then. I was like, wow, I wish I would have known that. that great to know. Uh, then next, uh, uh, who uh, 
Laura Rutledge, who we had this year, she's, she's outstanding. Awesome. Yeah, you talk about somebody that is incredible uh, in terms of not only her knowledge of the game, but her comfort and delivery and, and just uh, preparation, doing what she does with the SEC Nation show and all the NFL stuff she's asked to do. She's a, a, an amazing broadcaster and even better person. And a former football player. Now, this is not <laughs> – this is Jesse. this is Jesse Palmer as The Bachelor. Uh, and then he goes on, of course, you know, obviously quarterback at Florida. Now he's become the national uh, host. That bachelor uh, photo took me right back. I think he set the record for most girls tongue kissed in a, in a, in a week, right? I mean, it, it was impressive how he was able to do that. But I think, um, man, he's one of my favorite uh, broadcasters to watch. His delivery and, and analysis of the game. Uh, is, is, is really yeah. very good. And it's nice to see him back in the booth. Did a great job in the studio, but seeing him back in the, in the booth with, uh, with Joe Tess is awesome. Yeah, very knowledgeable. Um, uh, also, let's talk about the SEC Network. So we love Dari Noka. He's, he's been awesome. here several times, yeah. and uh, he's great. You work with him, obviously, on the weekends. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, he's been with us two or three times. He's yeah, great. so my, my schedule over the weekend, I fly to uh, Charlotte on Thursday night. I do SEC this morning on Friday morning with Peter Burns. And then later in the day, I do our preview show, SEC Now, with uh, Dari and Benjamin Watson. And then Saturday, we wake up. Uh, I'm in the studio from noon till about 12.30 or 1 in the morning. We have a triple header on that we're doing the halftime and post-game and pre-game support, studio support for. And then we do the football final wrap at the end of the night. And then uh, uh, Sunday I'm off. I'm watching tape from the day before. Monday we do the SEC This Morning show and I fly back. So four nights on the road, three nights at home during the fall. But I get to work with the greatest people getting to cover the greatest conference. And literally, I'm watching games all day long in the same seat. Most of you guys probably have a spouse or a significant other that's trying to urge you to get off the couch and don't get to do that. Not only does that not happen, I get paid to get to do it. And it's just an amazing dream come true for me. Yeah, uh, Dari's a, uh, just a great pro, just smooth as yeah, silk and, and yeah. great guy. And then uh, let's go next. Peter Burns. So, yeah. So, Peter, another very talented. Yeah. A great guy has a great story. To totally different kind of people, you know. And uh, PB is one of the most um, creative people I've ever been around. He's self-admittedly ADD all over the place. So one of my jobs is cleaning up after him wherever we've been on studio. He leaves, you know, little things around. i got to take care of him like he's my, my little brother. But he is a um, – he, he's an awesome – uh, co-host the show that we do together is so much fun we're just three hours of kind of getting back and forth at each other and talking ball and and uh, it's become really popular I think with a lot of uh, the callers that uh, love getting to discuss a little football and having some fun on Friday and Monday mornings and somehow I don't know when this began you and Peter started having these bets because he's the LSU guy and you're a Florida guy yeah. so these are four pictures if you look are these four losses or do these split with any other things no, no. here? These are four straight losses to LSU. So um, I, I do rib him all the time. Actually, I'm a Florida grad. He's just an LSU fan. So two different uh, levels of commitment. <laughs> but the um, so in, in in a couple of those pictures, I think one of those was 2020. We were 21 and a half point favorites and lost oh, at home. Oh. One of them we were 13 and a half point favorites in Baton Rouge and lost. Certainly doesn't look very promising this year. And maybe. I don't know if you have the video or the picture, but maybe the this most year? embarrassing. The, yeah, the, the, this year? Yeah. Let's go to 16, Matt. Uh, not well, not that one. That this one. one. Yeah. No, no go, go back. back. Yeah, so that one. The bet was that four straight football losses, but Florida and LSU playing for the uh, national championship at the, the College World Series. Um, you know, the, the bet was actually a great one. I, I think that Commissioner Sankey may have had something to do with suggesting this, but 
the idea was the loser was going to have to get one of the authentic uh, uni baseball uniforms from the uh, from the athletic program of the other school. They sent me really cool gear. I have some great gear from from uh, from what LSU sent me over there. But we had to wear the uniform from the house to the airport, all the way to Nashville for uh, SEC media days through the hotel. You'd be amazed at how many people didn't really. Uh, acknowledged that I was wearing a baseball uniform, but more was wondering why I was wearing an LSU uniform. So I, I uh, the, I'm, I'm sitting in, I get upgraded to first class. I'm sitting in 1B. So everybody that walked in is making eye contact with me. And uh, the uh, the stewardess, as we were getting off, her flight attendant, as I'm getting off, she's like, um, are you on your way to a game? And, and I'm thinking like, this isn't high school baseball. You know, we're not getting, we got a locker room if we were doing that. She's, I, I, I told her a story. She goes, I wasn't allowed to talk to you. I thought you were somebody really important. We're not allowed to interact. And I had to break the news to her that I'm not really that important. Well, you look, you look the part. Yeah. I mean, look at that. I mean, you look like an, like an athlete there that can still play. I tried to go full authenticity with the slides there, you know, and, and uh, didn't bring the spikes with me on the plane. But uh, so, are you, so you are you over with him? Is that right? Um, I won the first year, which was before we were doing the TV show. It was just on Sirius XM, which we do every day all year round on 374, the SEC channel. Uh, he had to rap to uh, Ice Cube's, uh, I got to say it was a good day. He made up his own rap and did that. But, yeah, the, the more visible TV ones, I'm 0 for my last five. And it doesn't look like it's going to get any better this year either. Uh, so uh, I have to do this only because some people criticized me when we had the great Laura Rutledge here that I, uh, I felt it was worthwhile to show her uh, doing her, remember she was doing the, the ballet. And she was she was putting her, which I thought was very impressive, yeah. putting her foot above her head, and she was hitting the tambourine with her foot. So uh, so some folks thought that was you know really you got to show her doing that. So just to be fair, I want to show what you just put in there. <laughs> so so here's the dude. I, I'm going to show you. You're 50 years old. How in the heck do you stay in shape like that? Well, I tell you what, I'm obviously uh, gifted with some good genetics, but I, I think one of the things for me that's key in my life is the uh, the, the the gym every day. You know, I have a group of guys that I work out. You with. You can take it off now. God, the ladies, the ladies <laughs> have seen enough, let me, Matt. Let me say that that picture was from. I had the greatest trip with my son. We did a father-son trip to the Grand Canyon this summer. That was uh, from the beginning of that trip. Um, you know, six nights on the uh, Colorado River, camping on the banks, sleeping out under the stars, no tent, no, I mean, talk about roughing it, it was no cell signal. And my son, when we got off, said, Dad, that was awesome, man. I, I loved not having the ability to get on my phone, the, the pressure of social media. I mean, I would advise to you guys, you know, the opportunity to unplug and, and um, just be present and, uh, you know, create real relationships in person was something. It was he and I and about uh, six or seven father-son combos and just the time we spent together was so special and, and uh, something really memorable. But the, uh, the workout, uh, my son actually came home from college. He's at Savannah College of Art and Design up in Savannah, Georgia. He told me, hey, Dad, I want to work out with you every day. And, and, um, and he put on about 30 pounds of muscle this offseason. So um, it's nice to see all these years of me telling him kind of how to live his life. He thought I was an idiot. Now he actually uh, starting to believe some of what I've told him. But uh, physical fitness and, and pushing myself in the gym, I think, is one of the most important parts of my success, one of my most important parts of the day now as an adult.